Hey everybody, welcome back. This is TJ Sweet bringing you another episode of Living the Sweet Life, where I'll be sharing some of my experiences about how to shape your mindset, look at life through a grateful lens, and how to live with intention. I'm also going to be bringing you some thought-provoking interviews that are going to help you on your journey to living the sweet life. All right. So everybody, welcome back. This is TJ Sweet bringing you another episode of Living the Sweet Life. Um, I have the opportunity to talk to Sarah Ross today, and we are going to talk about um, COVID, energy, work-life balance, leadership, and, and some of the great work that Sarah does uh, kind of really around the world. And so I'm super excited to talk about that. Um, but first off, I get to know Sarah, but you all don't yet. Some of you may not. So I'm going to read an introduction, uh, Sarah, if you'd give me just a second so I can kind of give uh, give the audience something to uh, to think about as we listen here. So uh, so again, our speaker today is Sarah Ross. Sarah is the founder and chief vitality officer at BrainAmped. It's a research and coaching firm aimed at redefining how people succeed and thrive and work in life, which I think we all need. Yeah. So Sarah's company, yeah, Sarah's company helps organizations and people and their people address challenges of leadership, increase their work vitality quotient, uh, which we'll hear more about, and then with some science-based strategies focused on energy management, emotional intelligence, and resilience. And with her approach, uh, earning her reputation as a fresh, thought-provoking voice on the future of work, uh, some of Sarah's clients include Microsoft, Wells Fargo, PepsiCo, Sprint, as well as the U.S. Navy SEALs and the leadership team for the MBA's Orlando Magic, which is really cool. So um, so again, everybody, please welcome, uh, join me in welcoming Sarah as she kind of decodes the science of leadership to help us be our best, even in the most stress-filled moments or 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so, How about we just uh, said in all moments? Like right, right. In life, right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Sarah, so I'm super excited that we're, that we're getting to do this. You. you know, I got to learn a lot from you. Uh, um, and, and one of the keystone things that I learned from you that I've told uh, to many people all over the place is your story uh, in relation to uh, intentions and impact. Mm. Um, so hopefully we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I just wanted to give you um, that recognition because that's changed my life and it's changed personal life and, and career as well. So um, this is going to be worth listening to because people are going to yeah. take something from this. So I appreciate that. But so I got to read a little bit about some of the industries you work with, you know, and the listeners of this are kind of all across different industries. So can you can you kind of talk a little bit about some of the things maybe you've gotten uh, calls about or something you've been asked to kind of help teams with during COVID? Yeah, well, this one should not be surprising at all. Um, but really stressed. Like it really had, like that's been, it, it's been an element of, of helping people manage stress, number one. And I would say number two, organizations have been really committed and aware that this isn't just like, we talked about stress before kind of March, 2020, before this pandemic took over and changed every, changed everything. We were always talking about stress. We, we already knew people were too stressed out. And then, and then this pandemic hit and to say that there was change would be the understatement of 2020. Like it, it flipped things upside down and, and it didn't matter who you were, it, it impacted people. So, so people were talking about stress, but organizations were bringing me in to say, listen, we also need our people. Like we need mm. people to not run themselves into the ground. This, you know, and originally we, I think we all were like, okay, well, you know, take this for a couple weeks and this will be a reset and, and, you know, okay, we'll learn some things and then we'll just be back to normal. We're not right. Like, and so I think that was a huge, huge piece that people focused on. Number one, number two, I said, and then the third one would be kind of recognizing that yes, these technical skills matter, but how we are now learning to work together and manage emotions and manage the stories that we make up in our head when we can't see people, you know, we're all kind of working through screens. If you're in that type of working environment, that how we managed relationships became so incredibly evident. And, you know, I used to have to soft lead into things to say like, empathy is really important. <laughs> now it's just like, I literally think empathy won the MVP award of 2020. Like nobody is like empathy. Oh, that's the soft stuff. Like everybody was like, without that, 
I don't know how we actually effectively move forward. So long answer, but, but those three kind of buckets, managing stress, helping people recognize what they need to do to, to manage themselves, and then acknowledge the emotion that goes into relationships. Yeah. Well, you know, you bring up a great point about the relationships and, you know, I also get to lead people. And, and one thing that I kind of talk a little bit about with our groups and just in general, and it's kind of resonated with me is the idea of relationships instead of them being inevitable because we're just always around and we're always available and whatever it is to relationships had to become intentional. Yeah. So that's that shift from those two things. And so the quality of the relationship became so much more than transactional. Yeah. It became a mat, you know, it wasn't just, um, you know, I saw people by coincidence, like we actually had to intentionally do some things and, and gratitude is something I talk a lot about, but people's understanding of gratitude in the sense of, even though we can't always control everything around us, right? So certainty throughout all of 2020 was pretty much questioned across the yeah. board, yeah. but gratitude practices help provide certainty because we all of a sudden had to look around and think about, okay, well now what? Right. Um, and so as leaders too, especially trying to figure out how do we invoke some of that hope, um, whether it's empathy or whatever it is, because we don't even know the, like we're also in it. And I think if you can speak to that a little bit about how does a leader be in it, but also speak about it, not feeling like they're in yeah. it, you know? I, I took a couple, you'll see me, I can't help it. I, yes. When I hear something, I'm like, oh, we got, so So that, that was meaty because there's like three pieces there that I think uh, I yeah. hear, um, how do we be intentional? The, really the, the power of gratitude and then leaders dealing with the additional layer of yeah. pressure, stress, challenge of you are managing you and you were trying to lead people and let's be a role model. And we kind of get caught in that trap of do as I say, not as I do, because mm-hmm. I'm a leader and I'm trying to protect you and I want you to take care of yourself. But, you know, my phone's never outside of my <laughs> hand at any point. Right. So I think right. there's, there's, there's three things. So I'm going to hit them one. And if we go on tangents, like that, that's okay. I think, cause those are like three major things. I think, first of all, the intentional piece is so interesting because I I completely agree and I'm going to push back and say this environment for people who are, A, if you're still working, like if you're still working with people there, chances are if you're doing that, you're doing some kind of like frontline type of work. And you are doing that at such a pace that it is so easy for things to be transactional. Like, because people are just so, so running. And it's like, hopefully some of those relationships that were built before will serve as enough of a foundation. And and the reality is our brains designed when we are stressed, it's designed to self-protect. Like it's designed to, and so we can start, we can miss some of that. So it became such an important thing and such for lack of a better word, it was such a special thing when, when that conversation wasn't transactional, like when we really genuinely connected with people. And I, and what I really heard when you were talking about that is I think we all really understood how important connection is and that making intentional and meaningful connections was something that took work, but the, the kind of, byproduct of that was so much bigger than the work that went went into it. So in person, I think that happened. I think that's the same case that is making remote and virtual working so challenging because we've still lost some of that walk by like, Hey, Hey, Oh my gosh, I remember you did this. Like, how did that go? But if you're like, hi, I know you're working. I just was going to say, how is that thing that just popped into my head? Somebody would be like, how rude. (laughs) Anybody who watched full house back in the day would be like, how rude rude. it is. You wouldn't just, (laughs) if you're too young for that, but (laughs) but, but it's one of those things that I think that we in email, when we start depending on, on Slack messages and emails, it's so easy to get transactional. And I think coming back to, and this will also lead to another layer of, of pressure for leaders, but it, you didn't have to just be a leader. Like if you were a part of working with people, needing to, whether it's to influence people or work virtually with people, get buy-in from people, like that intentionality was was so important. The challenge is it's something that can get pushed down the priority list yeah. in the midst of crisis. Yeah. 
And, and that I think there is crisis. We we've, we've been, I mean, we are becoming pros of crisis management, but not every moment is a crisis, but in the midst of that chronic stress and uncertainty, every minute feels like a crisis. So I think it, you know, to, to your point, I think it really, really helped people recognize that you have to do these things. They're, they're what, they're the, the oil, the grease that makes those relationships really work, but you had to actually be intentional in doing it. I don't know if that, if that's along the lines of what you were saying, but I think that that, that became very, very, very clear how quickly we could isolate ourselves unintentionally by just working away at things. But the, the kind of, I can't, I'm missing the word, but like the, what you would get back out of intentionally connecting with people is just absolutely incredible. Like, I don't think we'll ever downplay. I, I'm a hugger. Like I hug people. If I met you once, I hug you, which has left right. some really awkward situations. <laughs> I can tell you, people are like, we're hugging, I guess. Um, yeah. But like to see, like I miss just being with people and, and having that opportunity. So I, I'm, I'm so with you. I think being, actually putting that as a priority is huge. And then, and then you, you mentioned gratitude. So what's, you know, fascinating, and this is your world, so you can add so much more value here, but gratitude I look at is like just the, the best grounder there is. Like when everything is spinning, it just, it just grounds you. And so if you know that you want to be intentional in your relationships, if you know you want to be intentional and, and effective and prioritize all the things that you could do in that moment, uh, gratitude's like, is like a, is like a little, you know, I, I it's not that it slows you down, but it's like a, a break you can pull to be like, okay, let's slow everything down right here. And I think it's such an important part of meaning for us. Like meaning is like, can I give something? Am I growing from this? And, or how can I ground myself in the gratitude of this moment? So, I mean, it also gave us the opportunity to be grateful for the things that we do have. Uh, and I, and I think there was a lot of messaging in positive ways to say like you, this isn't the time to focus on everything that you don't have. This is the time to focus on what you do. And, and, and I mean, doing this work and, and I know you've experienced the same thing. The amount of variation in experiences that people have had, whether they, you know, have families at home, whether, they dealt with the, you know, personally illness from COVID-19, lost people through COVID-19. Um, one of somebody who I consider an absolute friend of mine had a whole, it could be a whole other question, um, but she really helped me prioritize health in my life. And, uh, and she began this beautiful gym and, and the, I can't, she was more than somebody who just trained people. Like she changed lives. And, and, and I mean that, but through all this for a number of different reasons, she had to kind of close this gym down this dream of hers. And it's like, it's like, she's like, well, I know, you know, I haven't lost anyone. And I was like, wait, like it is, okay that you are grieving the loss of a dream like i i am so appreciative that you have the context to say there are people who have lost lives but but people have lost dreams and and years and financial stability and like there are significant things and i and i just think that there's so much power in being grateful for what we have and it still gives space to acknowledge that it's you can be grateful and grieve and mourn the things that 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 didn't come to fruition as you thought they were. And I think that balance is so profound. Um, and I yeah. think it's been just more obvious than ever. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely appreciate the depth of that answer just to be totally transparent because the thing about COVID that I appreciated the most is we all went through it together. Yeah. Right. There wasn't just in Missouri or just in the United States. Right. So like that sense of going through something tragic alone is very different than going through it together. And I think that's some of the intentionality behind the relationships because like the idea of quarantine, quarantine's always been a word, right? It's never really been a word for all of us, right? And <laughs> so like, point. right? And so it's like, it's, it's always been there, but we've never had to really understand that. But we weren't just sitting at home. Like I saw videos of people in New York apartments 
sending drones down to the next yeah. person to like say hi to them. And like we were finding a way, right? And that's what I mean by some of that intentionality is totally. instead of just saying like, well, when this all passes over, I'll call my family, I'll FaceTime, I'll get a Zoom account, I'll whatever, right? Yes. Um, and, and that's the cool thing is it, it but what the, what I appreciate the most about COVID is the, the, the transformation that happened yeah. in all of us that some of us may not know yet. Um, but I think the idea of change versus transformation, I talk a lot about that. So like butterfly to cat or caterpillar to butterfly, yeah. like, I don't know how we're going to go back to whatever people kept talking about new normal until like yeah. midsummer, And then they stopped talking about <laughs> new normal. Right. But it's I got a like, tape when I'd hear it. I'd be like, okay, stop. That's, right. that's it. There is, that's not a new, that's not, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's understanding too. My hope is that my, my, the echo that I hope to give is giving people the moment to pause, to understand, we just went through something currently still going through something, Yeah. yeah. but look at your ability to endure. Yeah. So like gaining that confidence. I am so with you. And I, and I, you know, I look at what I think we've all learned endure. And also we are incredibly adaptable. Yeah. Now we've always been that way. Um, this was one of those you had no choice, but, it, <laughs> but I think if you can pull from that, like when people have big dreams are worried about taking different risks, there is something to, uh, somebody, one of my mentors and, and I will not do it justice. So sometimes I, I get these beautiful quotes or insights and then I paraphrase them, which <laughs> loses some of the power. But, um, when, when I was really thinking about like, I, this is the work I want to do all the time. And, but I it was, it's, it's nerve wracking to go, you know, from something that's, that's really safe. I was uh, an executive in a, in a kind of global leadership training company. So that, that was, was really safe and I could do things, without having to worry about it. And she said to me, she's like, there's no way to get to second base with your foot on first. And I know that's not like eloquent, but there is something about, which means you never get a home run. Like you, you can't do any of those things with your foot still on first. At some point, hmm. you've got to be willing to take it off. And that middle place, yep, it is absolutely scary. But I think that what COVID showed us is, when you don't have options, we are so adaptable and creative and we connect with people and, and people can help us and we can help people in ways we didn't see. Like, I think that there's something that, you know, I tend to have my kind of set point of optimism on the more optimistic side. So I appreciate that's a little bit easier for myself. My husband is on the pessimistic side. So it really actually keeps this beautiful grounded, <laughs> like in the middle, in the middle part, but it, it really is fascinating. And he is somebody who does not love change, does mm-hmm. not love change. I'm like, let's change everything all the time. Mm-hmm. But I like my home base to always be stable. And all of a sudden he was working from home and I was trying to, you know, speak at conferences virtually and learning editing software and having mini <laughs> meltdowns when it wasn't working. And, and we just, you know, I, you're right. I think we just, we learned all learned to see that we are, we're darn capable. It, yeah. You might have to, you know, take all other options off the table, but even in those, you know, in the business I'm, I'm in, I do this, I, 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 I research leadership and people and work. Like, that's what I do. I speak on it. I, live events, events, I don't even need to say live anymore, is like a massive component of the work I do. This was the worst thing that could happen in the first couple of years of my business. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I know the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> and yeah. and I have figured stuff out that now the way I am building a business is I think it's a so much more sustainable. It will yeah. be so much more healthy for me. I think the opportunity to have the impact and share the work I want to share is so much larger. Like it forced me to learn a bunch of things. I don't have to be scared of the thing that I used to be scared of anymore. I don't want it to happen again. Like, let's be clear. I've done good learning, but it's so empowering to know the thing that I was scared of happened. Yeah. So, you know, so I don't want to leave. There's, you know, the third piece of your, this is why I write my questions down. When, mm-hmm. when you ask them, you asked, we talked about intentionality of relationships. We talked about the the power of gratitude. And I think both of those are going to come back as, as themes in each of the, the kind of um, questions, conversations we have. 
but you also said leaders, leaders who are carrying that extra layer of, you know, I, that of stress. And what I, what I really think was interesting here and what was really hard for many of the leaders I worked with are leaders who are really smart, experienced leaders. Like they, when they can ground themselves and like, I can figure this out. I've been through it. And it was like, no, (laughs) no, you haven't. So, so for a safety base of expertise was, even feeling rocked for many, many people. And I think that so many leaders, leadership is just such an incredibly hard job and we glamorize the word, but we don't talk about how hard it is. And yet I have met less than a hand, less than a handful of people who I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> I don't think your intentions are, are very great. And I'm not sure you have a soul in there, but I always say that um, my job used to be a monster hunter because I do a lot of coaching and people would be like, you have to come in and work with this. These, these people are monsters. Like, they're terrible. And, right. and if they were just good at this stuff. Everything, everybody would do better. And I'd be, and I remember I'd always be so like sweaty, stressed out, like not even being <laughs> graceful about this. Like, okay, I'm monster hunting now. And then I would find every single time well-intentioned people working really hard, not always totally aware of how mm. they're coming across who are often, often also feeling really tired. Mm. And, and it, I think that became even more clear through COVID that um, a lot of leaders, it's really hard to balance how much vulnerability to share and feel authentic while also, like you said, instilling that level of positivity and hopefulness and focus. I don't think anybody, I don't think there is a perfect amount. And this is where intentionality in relationships comes into play because it's recognizing what different people, different people need. But I do, I I would say like a lot of work that I did kind of focused on those two pieces because it was such a huge need for leaders. And it was that piece of be honest in who you are. Like people need to know that they aren't alone to your point. Like if they're scared and they don't know what the answer is, it's okay to say, we don't know what the answer is. But I think there's also a way to not, you know, for leaders to recognize that connection doesn't have to just come from commiserating. Like, it's one thing to be like, yes, this is crazy. Like, and, it, you know, if you, it, I'm not one of these people and I, and I of, of, this is where I feel grateful because it's, you know, my husband and I had planned to have kids and we, and we don't have kids. Um, but I'll tell you through this with my clients, I'm like, whoa, your life is crazy. <laughs> like, kids <laughs> climbing over their heads. I had one client who was like a lawyer and so professional. And, and I ended up having a call with him and he's like, I'm in the closet. I'm literally sitting in the closet because it's the (laughs) only place that's quiet right now. And it was just, you know, here's this whole other side of him. And, And really he was like, how do I manage this? So I think that the, what really came out is like, this is where leaders have to build, like, like go inside and trust some intuition as well and, and allow emotions to come forward and recognize that it's okay for people to be scared, but, but to not just get caught commiserating, but to also, you know, help people see where are the things that are controllable. You know, if you, if you can't do this, what can you do so that, so that we can help you get to where you need to get? So I think they're really, you know, that, that I keep saying the requirement for a balance of empathy and open, accountable conversations helped people give themselves permission to say, I can still check in and be like, can we get this done or not? And, and check in to see how you are doing. But I, I, it really, I think leaders had to be more vulnerable and, and I hate lowering expectations. I hate telling people to lower expectations, but I mean, let, let go of expectations, I think was a really hard thing for leaders for themselves and for their teams to sometimes say, we got to see where this lands. Yeah. Cause you cannot expect people to be working the, the same way and having pushing the same volume out. And you have to trust that if you don't see that email in five minutes, it's, it's not that they're not working. 
It's perhaps because they're trying to figure out how to get a better internet connection, or they did what we always talked about. They batched their emails so that they didn't just answer email. They productively got the work done, which is what we were trying to get people to do before COVID. So, uh, you know, there's, there's strategies, there's different places, but for leaders to really recognize, have some self-compassion, you, you, you know, you are, you do have this layer of pressure. You have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself and, and you give permission for other people to take care of themselves when you build that into the conversation. So that's what I would advise people to do over and over again. Like instead of just saying, checking in on the work, checking in on the stress, checking in on what they're doing to take care of themselves, like saying, Hey, I got an email from you at 10 o'clock last night. I want you to hear, I, I appreciate that dedication but my expectation is not depletion and and to really give voice to that for Mm -hmm. leaders. I think that that was the opportunity to, to, to just start to shift cultures in the way that we've been talking about. We've wanted to shift cultures for a long time, but leaders really, I mean, it's scary. Everybody was listening to them, but like all eyes are, are on them at all times, but it also just was like, you, you, we cannot keep leaning on this. Do as I say, not as I do. It's a a, a trap that is going to burn, not out, not just people, burn out organizations and, and it, we're just in too high of a stress environment. We don't have enough, you know, lag time, you know, there, there's just not enough runway to do that for a long period of time. So I, I would say definitely that's what I heard from leaders again and again and again. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And I think, you know, we all have that, whether we're a, a leader in a healthcare system or a bank or a whatever, yeah. um, but we're also a leader in our own lives, right? Yeah. And so I kind of offer ourselves that grace. And, you know, uh, one thing that, that I'm just, again, curious about, because I have a lot of passion about it, um, I actually talk about um, gratefulness being the path to purpose, mm-hmm. right? In the sense that the things that we're typically the most grateful for are the reasons why we work as hard as we work yes. or whatever it may be. And so, um, however, uh, this year, right. And, and just really just in life in general and a topic that I, that I would be super curious to hear more about from you is the idea of passion and purpose. Cause like that is just a, a flowing of all the time. Right. Totally. But can that fill an energy gap for people? We, you know, when they're like, especially right now, you know, like, I love my job, but I also like can't leave because no one's hiring and I'm uncertain about everything in my life. And my husband or my wife lost their, their jobs. And like, so kind of talk a little bit about how to use those things to kind of fill that gap. Yeah. It's, it's so part of me, I, I always say like, I'm an optimist, but then I, I also have this, like, I also, when I say grounding, there's grounding and gratitude. And then there's like, I do believe in the balance of both perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so I I set that context because I, there is zero doubt that when you are doing work you care about, it is easier to overcome the challenges because you can stay connected to a bigger why, a bigger purpose, a a bigger sense of meaningfulness. And when we do get that, like, I am blessed. And I, like, one of my, I quite literally, if I could reach a little bit farther, one of my practices in the morning is, is just to reflect on something I'm grateful for. It, I don't mean for it to focus on this, but, but I would say once or twice a week, I say, I am so grateful to get to do the work that I do full time. People pay me to do what I love to do, to to research the things that I think about all of the time. I am so grateful for that. But I also am a researcher and I also love data. And I'm also intrigued by, because there's so much about passion. So this is a whole other topic, but sometimes I think we feel that we need to be in a job that we feel passionate about. And, and there's just some incredible work at saying, you know, what are the values you care about and how can you craft passion in the job that you have? It doesn't mean you stay there forever, but, but passion isn't something we have to follow. I think passion is something that, that we build. Mm. That can be a, that can be a whole other part of a question, but yeah. to your question was how does passion, you know, help fill that energy gap? Does it? And, and we, you know, we've heard if when you're passionate, you, you, you can do more. So if you just really listen to that, when you're passionate, you do more. Hmm. Um, there's a, a study that was done and oh, I, I, 
I can't remember the exact statistic, but they, um, they interviewed people. And basically the only people who were counted into to the study were people who would say, I landed my dream job. Like I'm, whether it's the business I started, the organization I'm working with, the title that I want, uh, within 18 months of working in their dream job, over half of them burnt themselves out. Mm-hmm. So what can start to happen is I think that there is, and there's certain industry, healthcare is, is one of them. Um, we can start to think that, pa- I keep going back to it. It says, if you're so passionate about something, then you must be selfless in the endeavor of it. Mm-hmm. That you must put all your needs on the back burner. That if you really are committed and driven to this, that means you commit and you drive every moment of every single day. And that is why we are burning out people who I believe are committed to changing the world. And I know that sounds dramatic. I, I don't mean to, to make that dramatic. It's I see it. And the data shows it. So I think what becomes really important when we are passionate about what we are doing is to also recognize the long game of what you are trying to achieve. And, and, and I'll keep coming back to the same thing. There is, there is a, you do not need to be exhausted in order to prove you are committed and dedicated to the purpose of the work that you are doing. But we have created this unwritten rule, this success identity that, that if you're not exhausted, then you're not working hard enough, that, that your why is not, is not big enough. And, you know, healthcare is one, I mean, non, the nonprofit sector is a huge one. And if you think about it, what do we celebrate? We celebrate, think about how often we are going to celebrate the tireless workers who put themselves last in line. Like, and don't get me wrong. There are people who health I, I work a lot. There are healthcare workers where I'm like, thank you. With that being said, we have to be careful. Nobody's like, we don't have parties for people who held their boundaries. We're not like, I would like to recognize this person <laughs> for holding their boundaries and making sure they exercise five days a week. We don't have parties and give, give awards for that, but we should. Should because there is a fundamental difference between being committed to the work that you do, where you can do the best work, where you your brain is in the place where you think most effectively, you are most empathetic, you are most strategic, and being consumed by that work. Because when you're consumed by that work, we actually end up in tunnel vision. We make decisions that are short-sighted versus long-sighted. We get caught in this all or nothing thinking, right or wrong thinking. And the thing that we are so passionate about, we end up doing a disservice to the thing that we are driving forward for. And so I do think when, you know, you read in my bio, everything that you read out is what I fundamentally believe. I fundamentally believe we spend so much time talking about strategies. We do not take enough time to talk about identities. Mm. And, and so that piece of if my identity is, I have to be in hustle mode and oh my gosh, I'm so busy. And I'm just absolutely exhausted and depleted in order to show you that I care about what I'm doing, then something is wrong. I, because that's just not where excellence comes from. Maybe short term, but I don't know anybody who's in something that they care about from a passionate perspective for the short game. Nobody. Maybe they want to build a business and sell it and be able to do it, but it's always in service to do something else. And, you know, I think that is another place where COVID has taught us. Um, I mean, we've all known it forever, but when you do not have your health, when, when we are fearful of that, when it's a real thing, it, like everything else changes. And, and we have been, I think, working in a way where that's been on the back burner for so long that it's like, I, I, I keep saying as, as, you know, vaccinations come out and I start doing the work that I do, my job is like a component of my job is to be healthy in the work that I do. Like I will, I will travel differently in the sense of like, 
no, I'm not going to take that 1030 flight that gets me home at one o'clock in the morning and everything like, no, I'll stay that extra night and sleep and then get up because I'm a morning person and I'll fly home because that is such Mm. a difference in what I, you know, how I manage myself. So I I think just really kind of, I know that I said a lot of things there, but I, I think that passion, passion is such an element of our work that we can build and we can be grateful for. But when we lean on passion alone without recognizing that rest and refueling and taking care of ourselves and taking care of our relationships, if those things aren't also in the equation, then, then we are doing a disservice to everything we are committed to. Yeah, no, you know, it's, uh, it's such a personal thing for me. And, and again, we've, we've talked about it so often too. just even just some of our emails and, you know, different things back and forth. And, you know, and, and one thing that I respect and appreciate a lot about you is uh, uh, what you do and why you do it, but also kind of how you do it. And in the sense that, you know, we've talked, um, we've emailed back and forth about let's talk about things, let's just catch up. And then I yeah. said, let's do this podcast. And, you know, but the, it, and it's, and it's the freedom and the permission that you give um, by, by holding your ground, holding your yeah. standards. Right. And so whenever I say, Hey, can you do this uh, podcast on this day? And you say, I'm not available for a month. Yeah. yeah. You know, like most people would be threatened, but we already have enough between yeah. us relationally to where, you know, that I wasn't offended or, or thought that you were disinterested, like all these secondary emotions that the other person who doesn't hold their standards typically thinks, yeah. but we don't even allow the other person to like say, okay, great. I respect your boundaries. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so, let me think about which part I want to respond to. Thank you for acknowledging (laughs) it first, because I'd love to say that that's a natural thing and I've just always done it. It's really not. It is, it is the ultimate kind of integrity check of if I'm going to say to people, if I work with leaders and I say Mm -hmm. to leaders, you cannot lead by the do as I say, not as I do. I cannot fall in the same trap. So I'm really open. I am far from perfect. I am a work in progress, but I also know that I want, I I constantly am monitoring that commitment versus consumed. And, And I, and I do check into the, to the source of my decisions. Like what am I making that decision around? And, and if I have made a commitment to work on something, whether that's for myself, you know, I've been writing a book, whether it's, it's work I'm doing with a client, whether it's just the, the volume of, of coaching, I do it in chunks of time. And, and if that's those, the people that I work with, they've entrusted in me to be of service to them. I am working really hard to to figure out how to be at my best Mm. long term. And I love saying yes to things because I am multi-passionate. I adore working with people. This job has afforded me some of the coolest opportunities. And I just want to do them all. I want to do them all. But I also know that if... I'm committed to the vision that I have. If there's certain messages I want to get out in the world, it requires saying no sometimes. And if, and I've had people be like, not be as gracious about it. There is a, there's a part of me. I don't know if it's just like a grown up part, but it's that like, then, then you're not one of my people. Like you're bringing me in to talk about something, but you don't actually it's because you're, you, you think it's what other people want or whatever it may be. But if I can't say no to you, if we can't negotiate a time that works for both of us to have that conversation, then I'm probably not the person you want to be talking to anyway. Mm. And I think that that, that has is something I've been getting a lot more comfortable with that not every idea is for every single person and and that's okay. And if you're like a, like I had somebody pushing and it's like, well, I've got nine 30 available. No joke. I, I, I am in bed at 10 o'clock. And if there is something I am insanely dedicated to, it's my sleep. Like I will stay up late and, but I am, in, I know it's my tipping point when sleep goes, everything else goes. I am yeah. terrible when I don't have enough sleep. It throws off all of my effectiveness and productivity. And then I don't exercise and then I eat crappy. And it's like, all of those things happen. Um, and it was like, Hey, well, I thought you cared about getting this message out. And I was like, Oh, oh <laughs> yes, because it's like, you guilted me. 
And, and my value is to get this out in the world. And I was like, wait a minute. The short game is to say yes. The long yeah. game is to say no. Because that, that just, you know, a, a 9.30, a 930 call for something that could be done at a different time for something that wasn't even going to be live for four months. Like we can figure something else. We can figure something else. If that was somebody who said, I need something and it's 930 at night, no problem. No problem. Like it's not that it's this rigid way of thinking, but it is to recognize when are the times to, to break those, those kind of boundaries for, for myself. And then when are the times that it just, it just leads to getting further and further and further off course. And then I work with a group and, and if they haven't gotten my best, if I know they didn't get my best, mm. I have a really, really hard time with that. Like I have a really hard time with that. And I just, I, I just don't selfishly, I don't want to not give people everything that I have and I don't want to work in a way that I give it all away so much that the people who deserve the best of me get left over me. And I've made that commitment to myself. So if it's going to take from the people who love and support me to make somebody happy that I don't know and won't be thinking about me two seconds later, uh, that's me. Like that's on me. That's me getting my values and my priorities straight. And then and then I just have to deal with the repercussion of saying no, because then you do miss things. And, and I, you know, I said this to you, it's not like I, I'm like, I write it. And then I sit there and I hum and haw and I'm like, can I do mm-hmm. it? Oh, but I want to do it. And like, how do you, but, but it's really one of those where it's like, nope, st- I, that's why I don't, you'll, when I say no, there's probably more grammatical errors than when I say yes. Cause I'm like, okay. There's a good reason why I'm saying no. I'm going to say no, and I'm not going to overthink it because if I overthink it, I'll, I'll, I would rather say yes out of just, you know, for that you were, you were, you were, are that, that example is probably the most perfect one because it's not just, do I think this will be a great conversation? It's like, I want to talk to you. Like, I think we have yeah. a great conversation. So yeah. I appreciate the, the, the graciousness in that. And I just also think it is, there is the difference for me of commitment and consumed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you talk a lot about um, uh, it just, I'm just going to add a point. I'll pivot a little bit, but Please. the idea of doing something because it's uh, an opportunity for you, right. And, and doing something because you want to be able to give something. Right. Yeah. And so whenever we, whenever I, you know, some of those folks probably, and again, I don't speak for them, but whenever they say, Oh, so you must not care about it. They're solely trying to get something from you. Yeah. Right? yeah. And to where like, that's, that's not my plan here yeah. at all to get anything yeah. from you. It's just a matter of like, this is life breathing. This is, yeah. this is real authenticity, but it's like, I also want to share you and this message in our conversation with the world. Yeah. Right. Like I want to give more through yeah. us to everybody. And that's why it's like whenever, right. Like let's make this work for both of us, totally. but like, yeah, let's pivot. Let's reschedule. Let's pivot. Let's yeah. reschedule. doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. So um, I think there's just a lot to be when you start to, when other people start to kind of devalue the time of others, is it a yeah. moment of getting or giving and just yeah. self-reflection, right? Not that it's always standard, but. I'm so with you. And, and yet those are the same people who will probably end up saying yes to things and then feeling totally resentful of them. <laughs> right. Like, so it goes, it yeah. goes, it goes to wait. That was the other thing. I, I, I was like, I am d- tired of feeling mad at people for things that I said yes to. Like that <laughs> is the most unfair thing ever. Talk about not being intentional in relationships. <laughs> like right. it, it's my call. And so if I have overcommitted and feel resentful that somebody's like, Hey, you committed to me. And I'm like, how dare you expect me to follow up? Like, that's just not, you know, that, that, that the, there's an ethics there that, 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 that goes against. And, and it's, I mean, part of that is also being called out on that. Like, yeah. My husband is, I, I adore him. He has a way of being able to say something to me without judgment, but with such clarity that it mm. cannot be confused. And <laughs> that is a, 
I, I am so grateful to have him in my life for that because I can get, I am incredibly creative in my rationalizations. Mm-hmm. Like I can make up a story of why I should do something like nobody else. Like, and I have planned it for 10 years of why this is a good idea. And, you know, he, he'll be the first one to say, how does this represent the work that you are committed to doing? And I'm like, damn it. It doesn't. <laughs> so, so that that kind of right. self check is is one of those, and I and I keep little post it notes all over my office with little like check questions to just slow yeah. me down, slow me down, and make me think. And and that's your whole point of intentionality, right? Like yeah. Yeah. automatic reactive answer versus an intentional thoughtful answer. I'll deal with the thoughtful one so differently than the reactive one. Yeah. 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 And it's actually, I'll answer the question with, um, again, with my thoughts and with my heart and my mind, as opposed to just to answer the question. Yeah. Right. right? And it's kind of two different things as far as like check box. Right. Uh, and, and try to do less of that in the sense of pouring into people um, with a thoughtful answer. Uh, because that's, if somebody was willing to ask me a question about something, I need to respect them enough because they obviously valued my thoughts originally. So I need to respect them back and say, you know what? I need you and I've done this, right? And there's times on social media and there's times wherever where I don't respond within 25 seconds, right? Yeah. And oh, I, I know. Just, like I actually needed to provide you a thoughtful response back to this statement or question. Yeah. So that's what the delay was. And people are always like, wow, well, it was a thoughtful response, you know? Right, right. Um, and it's a matter of paying attention to people. And, and you know, just as like a simple example of um, the details matter, right? Um, but just like, and this is, sounds like a simple example, but it means something to me because it meant something to you. But if we don't go there, right. So like when somebody emails you, if they don't say hi, Sarah first, and then go straight into it, like that resonated. Right. And in the thought of, I hope I get the chance to communicate with you and I'm always going to respect that and do that first. I don't do that with everybody. Yeah. Right. But if it matters to you, but if we don't slow down enough totally. to like share that, then we get an email from the same person all the time mid mid email without your name or anything. Right. And there's like seven people on the email and you're like, who's this even to? Right. So, but it's just like giving people that freedom and that permission to say like, if something matters to you, share it. Yeah. Right. The right people will pay attention to it. Yeah. Oh, I, I so think, and, and, you know, I, I, like I, I knew that the theme of intentionality and gratitude would be so important. Again, it's comes back to slowing down sometimes, like sometimes it's yeah. a, and when we're comfortable, sometimes the people we are most comfortable with, colleagues and family and mm-hmm. friends, are the people that we stop trying as much with. And we forget those things that really matter to somebody. And I think, you know, that is another thing I learned from COVID, just the how much more intentional so many of those reach outs were. Because like for my, you know, I like I said, I, I think of my dear friends who were just phenomenal at the work that they do, but they are in a, in a household where both of the parents are, are working and kids at home and they're dedicated to their kids having this wonderful, you know, making sure that they don't lose too much ground. And they also want to be this, you know, wonderful person. And it was just one of those, like, yeah, we can't talk all the time. So when we do, I want you to know that here's how I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. you. And I want you to know that I can't do a lot of things that would make your life easier, but here's one thing that I can, and you have full permission to utilize that and tap into that at any single point. And uh, we are like with a, with a kind of a group of my, my friends, some are kind of work related and some personal, we kind of built this little, like, we use and we and it came from from an article I read and I wish I could go back and find the article because it's such a little thing but it was such a good idea I think it was a consolidated piece on Thrive Global but we all talked about having this one emoji that you don't have to say anything you don't have to do mm-hmm. anything but if you send this emoji out to somebody it's like I need like I need I need somebody to do a reach out right now like I just I need something from someone and that was so powerful because I have learned that I love helping. I'm a helper. I, this is the other bad thing about writing a book. It forces you to go into things that you're like, oh, no, I'm a helper. <laughs> right. um, no problem with helping. I love doing that. But I was really bad at receiving help. And mm. uh, 
uh, it'll actually make me feel, it'll make me cry. I read, I got a note from somebody who I care for greatly. Um, and she said, I, you always help me, but I've never had the opportunity to feel what it feels like to help somebody that I love so much. Mm. And it was one of those that I was, I never thought of that frame. I didn't want to be a burden. I don't, because I didn't have kids, I could, you know, do all these other things. And because of the work and the research I do, I, I can sometimes provide ideas or perspectives that are, that are different. And I enjoy having conversations where, where we can, you know, talk about a number of different things. But what I didn't realize is my, my lack of allowing people to help me meant that I was actually keeping them from experiencing this beautiful experience I got to have every time I helped. And I'd never thought of it that way. And I'm not, mm. not sure I would have had that same insight had COVID not, not occurred. Because I don't know, I, I don't know anybody who needed nothing through this. Like there was times where it was like, it's not a joke. I need something from like, I just need to be weepy and cry. The start of this, trying to learn editing software and like <laughs> all of a sudden be my own AV team. I cannot tell you the crybaby tears. I like, it was like, I can't do this. <laughs> right. I hate editing software. Like I was, it seems so little, but it was like, and I called on somebody who had this experience. And it's like, that's what I do. And I'm like, how have I never tapped into that? And it was just like, but yeah. I, now I just think that, you know, we, we all, it's the most universal thing. Everybody in an interview, you know, what, tell me something about yourself. I like helping people. We all like helping people. So being able to offer help, but being able to give that same experience by receiving help is not only was not only good and needed for me, but it gave something to somebody I love that I hadn't realized I was withholding from them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a way of uh, showing that you, but again, it has to be that honesty and transparency, right? There yeah. has to be that reach yeah. out, right? Cause there's yeah. not typically going to be that, that uh, epiphany. Uh, right. And so it's a sense of, um, but when it sounds like that, it kind of feels like, well, you know, I want to show this person's important to me. Yeah. So I need to right do that. And so like, if, if you never feel like uh, anyone can ever help you, then the people around you feel like that they're no help to you, which right. is never the intention, right? It's just yeah. a matter of like, I'll just do it, right? So uh, it's a cool self-reflection moment for sure. Well, and I'll just add one more piece. It actually, yeah. you know, I'm adding complexity to something, but in a way it makes people feel judged. Like it's for like, sure. I'm, I need help. So maybe there's something wrong with me. And I started mm. this by saying, I am, com I, my commitment is to help people recognize you don't have to be exhausted in order to be passionate about what you do and successful in what you, in what you do. And you can love your work and live a full and meaningful life as well. We should, like, that's what we want to be able to do. And so then that other part of that is, you know, and I said, leaders need to recognize, don't do, you know, live by the philosophy is do as yeah. I say, not as I do and be vulnerable. Well, when you seem like you're the person who always get, has everything figured out, it makes people feel weak that mm -hmm. they're struggling. And again, that that's, there is an element in vulnerability that gives people permission to be human. And we all are, and mm. we all need that. And sometimes our stoicism and our strength mm. actually creates environments where people feel afraid to say that they need something. And so that reframing that asking for help isn't being weak, asking for help is an opening for, for people to connect. That, that's a totally different dynamic. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pivot just for a second okay. if I can, because I'm super, super interested in this topic. Um, again, we kind of talked a little bit about it during your bio about the work yeah. vitality quotient. Yeah. Right. So now I'm going to kind of dive into a separate part of your brain, but um, if you can kind of talk a little bit about the, the, the obviously, you know, you yeah. studied the leadership vitality, but kind of explain that a little bit for everybody and then kind of um, what sure. drew you to it originally. So uh, let me say this, the word vitality is the worst word. And here's what I mean by this. Like it is like, try to use it in a sentence. It's so unsexy. It doesn't flow. It doesn't rhyme with anything. It's the worst word. And people are like, hmm. and people have different associations with it. So like, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, like, 
I'm not, you know, I would, I wouldn't build a brand on that. And I was like, listen, <laughs> listen, I hear you. I don't want to, I don't want to that to be the thing, but there is no better word to describe the thing that I research and the thing mm. that I feel we are at a deficit of right now. That's the problem. If it could just be passion, then that that's what passion is easy to work with. I can get behind passion. Vitality yeah. is, it doesn't even come nice off the tongue. Like it's really a hard word, but Vitality, I mean, we often think about it from, from a health perspective, but if, we, if you look at the kind of um, psychology perspective of it and we think about it from a workplace, if you look at the definition, it's like the feeling of aliveness. Mm. And that, that's the output, that feeling alive, feeling, you know, it's the distinction. It's why I say we are experiencing a vitality deficit right now. It's the difference of feeling like we can take on the day versus feeling like we're just trying to make it through the day. And, and mm. I think we are at a place where that survival mode feels like just keep our head above water is what we are aiming for. And, and I, I genuinely believe there are times that that's the environments that we are in. But, but to kind of deepen what vitality actually is, it's the combination of of our energy sources. It's the combination of emotional, mental, physical, and like that spiritual, that purposeful, that meaningful mm. energy that we carry. And when those, when we're nourishing those and we're replenishing those, which that is what energy requires. You can't have vitality without nourishing and replenishing those sources of energy. But when those come together, that that's what gives us the capacity to chase down bold goals, right? Like from a workplace perspective, that's what allows us to tackle the challenging work when there are hurdles after hurdles and red tape after red tape. It's what allows us to do that challenging work. It's what, it's what, kind of gives us that ability and willingness and vulnerability to invest in relationships, like, you know, the word, to be intentional in those relationships, to, to build relationships that have a positive ripple effect and, and to live a full life outside of work, hardship and all. Like mm. that is what our workplace vitality quotient is about. It's how we utilize, how we direct and how we replenish that, that energy. And I think it's an important piece because I, I studied, you know, you asked me where, why? Well, I've been studying for almost a decade. I immersed myself. I've always cared about people. Like I've just, I'm not. I was that my poor parents, if the amount of people I would ask random why questions to, <laughs> like it is, I must have embarrassed them all the time. Yeah. I have asked questions of people that after keep me up at night, I'm like, why would I ask them that? But I'm very intrigued <laughs> yeah. by people. So to say right. I did it for 10 years is not doing it justice, but genuinely studying emotional intelligence. And so, you know, looking at that, that effective, exceptional leadership equation, it's like, well, we know you need skills. Like, let's not over, you know, not pay attention to that. But we also know that a huge emphasis has been on like how we manage emotions and how we build relationships and how important those are. The challenge was I kept working with people who organizations and on paper would say they were exceptional at what they did. Mm. But they're the people who would come up after and say, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm mm. just too tired to do it. And then I started looking at these people we consider to be great leaders and they're, they were, but, but not all great leaders were the same from an energy perspective. Like there were some that were like, and that's where that leadership vitality comes. They were they 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 breathed the sense of like purpose and possibility into situations. There was an authenticity but hopefulness in what they did. And then there were others that were driving themselves into the ground. Mm. And it was like you've got exhausted leaders and I want to get more of those great leaders out of the zone of exhaustion. Mm. And that's really where the vitality piece came because I was like, what is this thing? It's more than because energy to see you know, people are like, okay, so you do energy. And I was like, yes, but <laughs> it's the purposefulness in that energy because we can be managing energy and still be in survival mode. Yeah. 
there is something to say, like we all know what it feels like to be firing on all cylinders. Like when we feel alive Mm -hmm. when we are in that zone of, I call it the standout zone, but I think as corny as it sounds, it resonates more. It's like when we're in that zone of awesome, like we're doing what we do really, really well. And that may not be something like, uh, that might not be like conquering a, a major goal or solving a life problem that might be being so incredibly present with someone that they can share something that they have been carrying for years. It could be, mm-hmm. it could be also feeling alive by being so undistracted by our phones and all the things that are going on that we literally are able to look and be like, I can't get over how incredibly beautiful nature is right? Like to just be present in, in those things, or it might be to say, this is so damn hard. (laughs) This is so damn hard that I want to cry. And I know that what is going to come out of this will be worth it. Like those are the pieces that I believe we all deserve to have in our life. And why we started this whole piece of committed and consumed I, that that language is so important for me because it's that piece of if you are if you want to feel that sense of vitality, then we must recognize that it involves taking care of ourselves. We must recognize that replenishing that that energy is is critical. But we also must think about things like stress differently, and we have mm. to redefine what success is. And none of this requires taking your foot off the pedal and being less driven. It means learning to manage the roads much more effectively that we, that we are on. And um, that's what really, I mean, that's what it is. And that's what led me to study it so that we don't lose people who want to do great things in the world. Like we all know if you've worked with a great leader, it's, you are lucky. I think there are more people in this world who have the capacity to be exceptionally good leaders but they are lacking the energy to do it. And they're not even aware of that being their biggest hurdle. So if we can have more great leaders who walk their talk, who are, who share that being human is not being weak, who are intentional and grateful for those opportunities and recognize that, you know, people don't come to us fully formed. They're always learning and growing. Like you do so much on mindsets that, 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 doesn't just make our, our work world better. Mm-hmm. It, it, the ripple effect of us going home is so different of being able to do things that aren't work that we just love for the sake of doing them and building memories and experiences, which if anybody listening to this lost anyone ever in their life, but lost mm. somebody through COVID, I am so sorry that you have experienced that. And I can guarantee what you thought about was your memories with them. We, we just, we, we've lost sight of how important that, that is. And so uh, I would like to bring energy and life and love back into the world of leadership. Well, I can tell you uh, just even getting to talk to you in any capacity does that for me, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I talk a little bit about, um, again, kind of rooting this in gratitude just makes me think about vitality and how it kind of plays a role. But, uh, you know, I was just talking actually to my sister about this really cool idea of a notebook, right? And oh. so this may be so like the little uh, the flip uh, notebooks that used to be like the size of a cell phone, right? Yeah. And so what she's going to start doing is actually writing down um, how she feels and during different moments because it's small enough, right? And phones are fine if people want to use it. But so but what I talked to her about and just and again, these moments is kind of naturally happen. But I said, what you're going to do in that book is you're going to turn moments into memories Yeah, because you're going to feel, you're going to capture, our brain cannot capture, cannot have that many tabs open to go back and remember later how you felt in line at Starbucks when somebody let you go first, like write that down. And like that fills you up. Right. And that's like, I'm not alone. There are good people. I am making a difference. Somebody smiled when I held the door, like all these cool things that we just, thrive through the day, you know, and I talk about survival versus thrival, right? I'm making exactly. up words at this point, yeah. right? No, so I like, like it. But like, I made up one called like, Thriven, which was thriving and driving that they could go together. So there you go. We, we, I think it's cool to make up words. Right, right. I mean, eventually, I mean, you know, Urban Dictionary, it's all good. But, <laughs> um, 
but one thing too, and again, I'm I, I'm grateful that I get to call you a friend, a colleague, and and in all of this, and 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 just I really want other people to try to be able to connect with you, uh, because whether they are a a, a leader or a um, just a human person who this is all real stuff, you know? Um, and so if you can, if you're willing to kind of just share how people can reach out to you, how health systems, organizations, any business doing things that relate to people, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of the umbrella is that people, you, right? that is really, so it's people. And I always say, I am all about the personal work of work, right? Like, so yeah. being a better, but like, really it's that, don't call me if you want to figure out a new strategy. I'll t- call me when you can't agree on the strategy. <laughs> that's yeah. where you that's where you need me. But yes, you can uh, my website is is Sarah J S A R A J uh, Ross ROSS.com. That is an easy, easy place to catch me. Um, Instagram is something that I'm making myself get on, and that's mm-hmm. at Sarah underscore J underscore Ross. And then I'm always on on LinkedIn because I know so many people work through that. So you can find me at Sarah J Ross on LinkedIn as well. Okay, perfect. And so you kind of just work. Um, obviously, you talked about some coaching, but obviously, you know, I got the opportunity to meet you when you did a keynote for us, which is, again changes my life. Um, so, and, and there, are there any other ways that maybe you know a company could kind of go? Oh, yeah, we need her to or her team, yeah. based on the research and based on the what you have. So um, we're really focused on on sharing this be- from a speaking perspective, simply because. Sometimes just planting seeds allows all the exceptional people in an organization to then grow it. So I always say, sometimes I'm in to plant a seed and, and, and then support the people who are growing it. So speaking, um, training, training is, is a big thing to do deeper dives. I mean, I have, I never intended to be so well-versed on so many platforms for learning and in a virtual world, uh, I'll tell you, there's elements of virtual that I will genuinely miss when we go live that I'm constantly trying to figure out how to keep emulating and, and keeping in pace. So from that perspective, and then myself, but I have a team of people because I, I, from a coaching mm-hmm. perspective, from time, there is not as much of it as I wish there was, but I have a phenomenal uh, team of coaches who who help coach on the work that that I do. So if you are looking to help your people manage basically manage the stress, manage their energy and manage their relationships more effectively that if I'm not, and my team's not the people to help you, um, I'm very lucky to have uh, connections to incredible people. And I can guarantee we'll help you get in touch with the right people. Perfect. Well, um, you have made a difference in my life. I'm extremely grateful for you um, and for this time. And, um, but yeah, I'm super excited for the listeners to get to hear this and it goes on every platform uh, and it's going to touch a lot of people. So I hope um, it was as life filling for you as it was for thank me. Was yes. Yeah. No, thank you so much for always thinking about me and being so committed uh, to spreading positive messages and tools for people. So it was wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I want to thank you for making the time to listen to this podcast, and my hope is that you gained a few insights along the way. Please follow me on Instagram at TJSweet7, on Twitter at OneGratefulMind, and on Facebook. But first, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified when we release new episodes. And remember, no matter what, never stop.